Would you pray with me before we start our message? Lord, I pray that these are your words. Got it. We're, we're here to hear from you, and everybody is here for a reason, Lord. No one's here by accident. And so, God, I pray that your word is spoken clearly, accurately today, that it's life-changing, Lord God, that it's not about opinions, but it's simply about truth and what you say. And so, Lord, would you prepare our hearts to hear what you have to say this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I am back. Thank you guys so much for um, the grace you gave me. I spent the last week hunting, and so um, I heard that Jason did an amazing job. I'm so excited to congratulate him on that. But I am back, and I'm excited for us to continue on talking about the armor of God. We kind of we started this a few weeks ago, and as a quick recap, you're in a war, whether you like it or not. If you're a Christian, you are in a war which means that it's a little dangerous out there if you haven't noticed. But the good news is that God has given us armor to wear to protect us in this war that we're in. And, and the war that we're in is not against people. It's not against your boss or that unbeliever down the street or that person on Facebook that comments on your post that you don't like. Like that's, that's not the battle that we're in. We're in this battle that's spiritual against spiritual warfare. So our armor is of spiritual nature. And so we're talking through this, and, and what you have to understand is that when we're talking about armor, we're going to be looking at what the Romans would have worn. Because at the time that this was written, Romans had the best armor. Everybody was, was so jealous of that. They conquered most of the world simply because they had better technology than everybody else. They had better armor. And so as we go through this, we're, we're going to kind of look at what would this armor be on a Roman soldier, and, and how does that relate to our faith. And so the first two that we looked at, number one was the humble belt, which we were surprised, man, that's the first piece of armor listed is a belt. But that's the belt of truth, which is knowing the word of God and having the word of God be your source of truth. And that holds everything together. It's the belt is, is made to hold it. We, we said it was a girding instrument, but that word's kind of weird, so we can just go with it. Holds things together. And if you don't have that, it really doesn't matter if you have all the other armor because it's not going to stay put. It's not going to get held together. You're going to be tripping all over yourself. That's the belt. Then we looked at, at the breastplate, the, the cuirass, and we, we talked about how that was made for personal attacks, really close quarters with a sword. Like, this is not someone just shooting an arrow from a mile away hoping they hit you. This is close quarters. Someone is trying to hit one of your organs with a sword, and they're coming after you. And that's what that is for. And it was made to bounce those things off. If someone tries to stab you with a sword, if you're, if you're wearing that cuirass, it bounces it off to the side. And we talked about how this idea is that's our righteousness, which isn't our own righteousness. It's not how many rules you kept. It's whether you are found in Christ or not. Because if you are found in Christ, when the Father looks at you, he says approved. That's what righteousness means, approved. Then those accusations that the enemy makes against us, which those are those personal attacks going for your heart, they bounce off because they've got to stick to Jesus and they're not going to because you're found in Jesus. So it doesn't matter if those accusations can stick to you. It matters if they can stick to Jesus. And if you are found in the righteousness of Jesus, I promise you, they won't. And that protects our heart, which is what the curious is made for. So we're going to continue on. And as I've been kind of from the start of this series, I want to, I want to just make a statement 
and then spend kind of the rest of the time proving out of the Bible why, why that's true. And, and the statement today is this. When you are connected to God, you will always be where you need to be. Now, I like to say that I am professionally in the way. Does anyone else know what that means? So you can ask Leslie, if she's cooking a meal, I like to be in there with her. I'm not much help, but I just like to feel like I'm a part of what's going on. And I have the skill of standing in front of every cabinet that she needs to get into. Does that sound more familiar to anybody? And if I move out of the way for this one, then I go in front of whatever the next one is. And I'm always finding myself in the way. I'm always where I'm not supposed to be. In fact, um, I was the sign language interpreter for a while, and I worked in a school system. And when you do that, you have to be up by the teacher because the student has to be able to see you and the teacher at the same time. And it was like, no matter where that teacher needed to be, I was standing directly in front of that. And I just got used to it. In fact, even now, if I start talking to you after service, I promise I will unknowingly be blocking a door of some kind because that's just how I am. So, when I, when I wanted to start going to the gym and working out, it was something I was not comfortable with. I'd never done it before. And that's one of those places where you don't want to be in the way because people are, they seem angry there, if you haven't noticed. And I don't want to be in the way. And I knew that that was going to be one of those places that I would always be standing where someone needed to, to go. And so I was like, I was really scared to go until I had a friend who was really comfortable. He'd be going, he's been going to the gym his whole life. And he was like, just come and just stand where I stand. I won't be in the way. So if you are right by me, then you won't be in the way. And so I did it and it worked. And it's funny how if you're right next to or kind of connected at the hip with someone who understands what's going on, you tend to not be in the wrong spot because they tend to know where to go and you just kind of go where they go. And I thought I should probably do this more often. I should find somebody who knows what's going on, who understands, and I should just kind of be connected at the hip with them because then I won't be in the way. I won't be in that place where no matter where I go, I'm where I'm not supposed to be. It's the same way with God. I mean, you guys know that God knows what's going on, right? If there's one person who knows what's going on, it's God. And so if you are connected with God, then you're probably going to be where you should be because God's not going to be where he's not supposed to be. And so if you're with him, you're going to suddenly find yourself, oh, I'm where I need to be. This connects with our next piece of the armor. And this, like the belt, is a little different and probably not something that you would think of when you think of armor. But this is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15. It says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, this is really interesting. So let's start here. How many of you guys, when I say the word armor, think of feet? Very very few of us. We think of shields, we think of cuirasses, we think of helmets. We don't oftentimes think of, of feet. And so this is another one of those, like the belt, where we got to kind of get our head wrapped around. Maybe this is something that's really important that we don't think about a lot, which are really important. But here's what's interesting, is, is when you look at the armor of God, if you look at Ephesians chapter 6, there's always some sort of set of physical armor that the Romans would wear, and that was relating to some characteristic of our walk with God. And so you've got the helmet, you've got the shield, you've got the sword, you've got the cuirass or the breastplate, you've got all those things. 
And then suddenly it says, and with your feet fitted with the readiness. So this is interesting because there's no piece of armor actually listed here. Because as far as I know, like readiness was not a piece of physical armor given to the Romans. And so when I was studying this, I started to to struggle with this because I was going, okay, you've got a piece of armor for everything. We, we know that the gospel of peace is, is, our, is our spiritual characteristic, but what is the piece of armor that we are talking about? We know it goes on their feet, but readiness, I've never put on readiness physically in my life before. So what is being talked about here? So if you look at this word readiness, if you look at the original language, it's really interesting because it, this word means to, to be firm, to have a foundation, and almost like a readiness to get hit. You guys ever, like, have you ever played a sport? You kind of know when you see out of the corner of your eye someone coming at you and you have that split second to kind of get ready to get hit because your body kind of tightens up and you can absorb the hit a little bit better. In fact, that's when, when, when people get really injured, it's, it's when they're like, they don't see it coming and you can see their body just flop because it was not ready at all. So what does this word mean? And this is where it's really interesting. If you look at Roman armor, it actually is stated by, by most historians that what the Romans wore on their feet was actually the most technologically advanced piece of armor that they had. It put them head and shoulders above all of the other armies that they were fighting because the Romans, before anyone else, had kind of invented the idea of cleats. Do you guys know that? The Romans actually wore metal spikes at the bottom of their feet because it allowed them to get over rocky terrain, and it also allowed them to have better footing, and they did it kind of before everybody else. And so when you look at this word readiness, you know there needs to be a piece of armor there. I think it is very, very easy to take that step to go, what Paul was probably talking about here, something on your feet that gave you a firm foundation, ready to get hit, ready to move. It's probably cleats that he's talking about. This idea of I'm wearing something on my feet that allows me to stand firm, but also allows me to move when I need to move. And knowing that the Romans did wear cleats when they were in battle. You might be thinking, why, why are cleats so important? Why was this the piece of armor that many historians believe gave Roman, Romans the biggest advantage over even their swords and their shields? Well, because oftentimes when we think of warfare, we, we think of like the movies where it's like sword fighting and, and that's what wins battles. But if you really understand warfare, especially back in the days that this was written, warfare was mostly about getting to a spot before your enemy does, being able to cut them off, being able to get there and get established, and then being able to hold it against a barrage from the enemy. That was really like the biggest part of it was can you get there and can you hold it? Can you hold that push from the enemy? And that's why if you look at the Bible, especially in the writings of Paul, when he talks about warfare over and over again, he doesn't say fight ferociously, stab the enemy in the face. He says, stand firm, 
Stand firm. Stand firm. Over and over and over again. Um, even in, in Ephesians chapter 6, right before he gets to the armor of God, he's like, since you've done everything to stand, stand firm then. He repeats himself. He also says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. He says, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. This is the heart of war. Can you hold? Can you stand firm against the push of the enemy? And you have to understand how the Romans fought. The Romans used a little bit more of an advanced version of what's called the phalanx system that the Spartans made famous. Those of you who know the Spartans and, and how famous they were for, were for warfare, the Romans were very similar in what they used. And we'll talk a little bit more about it when we get to the shield. But basically, it was a system in which you had to have a very large shield and you made a wall and you interlocked your shields together. And, and basically, you made an impenetrable wall. And the enemy had to break through your wall somewhere. And if they couldn't do it, they could not win. If you could hold your wall, if you could interlock your shields and the enemy could not find a place to push through, they could not beat you. It was, it was a really good system if they couldn't break through. And the whole heart of that was, can we hold this line? Because if we can, we are going to win. Now, do you understand the importance of having cleats on? I'll put it this way. Can you imagine watching a football team play another football team and one of them has cleats and one of them doesn't? How is that going to go? It's not even going to be close. If you do not have footing, you're going to lose immediately. And this is what we're looking at when we're talking about this piece of armor. That ability to hold your ground, to not get pushed and to be able to get to where you need to be. Because there's a lot of, if you're, if you're talking about where this warfare took place, there was a lot of rocky terrain, hills and mountains. And if you have cleats on your feet, not only can you hold, but you can get places much, much faster because you're not going to be slipping all around. And this is just an aside. This is just a freebie. But have you, any of you guys tried to walk on blacktop with cleats on? It is like super uncomfortable. It's like you're clearly like, like if you're in grass, you're like, this is awesome. And then if you walk on blacktop, you're like, this is super uncomfortable. Peace is not made for the nicely paved paths of life. It's one of those things we get wrong. It was the same thing we talked about with joy, how we think joy is like the absence of problems when in fact joy is our refuge in problems. Problems like our joy is for the problems. Peace is the same way. We think of peace as, as, as when everything's okay. It's nice and paved. But if the cleats are basically the same as our peace, we can, we can see that, that peace is made for rough terrain. That's the point of it. It's not made for the really easy times. It's made for the difficult, rough terrain. That's just a freebie. That doesn't really have to do with that. But I just thought that was neat. So we have, we have the cleats. This is the armor. This is part of the Roman armor that they had that gave them an advantage against their enemy was cleats. Now it says the equivalent of that in, in the Christian's life is the gospel of peace. Now we talked about peace a little bit with the fruit of the Spirit. So those of you who are, were here for that, I'll repeat a little bit, but this is a little bit different. But we have to understand, first of all, what the gospel that we have is for. Have you ever asked yourself, what should the gospel lead to? 
right? And, and oftentimes when we think of the gospel, the good news, we, we think of, well, it should lead to repentance. It should lead to, to people being better, people not sinning and, and things like that. And all of that is very true. But in the Bible, whenever you see the gospel of, it's the gospel of peace. That is, that is what the gospel leads to. In fact, whenever we think of like a call for repentance, like a call for you guys better get it together, we usually think of John the Baptist, right? That's what he did. He kind of cried out, repent, get it together, make changes. But this is what his, his father was a prophet. And before John the Baptist was even born, this is what his father said about him in Luke chapter 1, verses 77 to 79. It says, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of peace to guide our feet into the path of peace. Now, I said when we were talking about the fruit of the Spirit that there's a connection between peace and your feet, and we see it here again in the armor of God. But to think of even John the Baptist, who we think of as being kind of this angry, gruff, yell at everybody, you know, you think of like maybe someone beating people over the head with the gospel, but even the prophecy over him was that he's going to guide us to peace. That's, that's the point of the gospel. The gospel should be leading us to peace. And we have to make sure that we as Christians are looking at the gospel as something that always leads to peace. Now, ultimately, yes. Will it lead to repentance? Will it lead to transformation? Will it lead to power and all those things? Yes. But at its very core, all of those things stem from a gospel of peace. And as we talked about with the fruit of the Spirit, peace is not calm. It's not like, hey, things aren't crazy. Peace is when we are made one. When the, when, when the things that were meant to be together are brought back together. When we don't feel that division within ourselves and in relationships. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. That's the best definition of peace is when, when there's things that are divided, there's two things, and they really need to be made one. And when they're brought back together, there's peace. That's, that's the heart of it. And so what we have to understand is relating back to the armor of God, this idea of having cleats on our feet, being able to move and hold our ground, to not be pushed around, to have footing, is this idea that we have been made one with God again. That relationship has been restored. Sin divided us from God. And there was division and there was not peace. But because of what Jesus did, and that's where it says he himself is our peace, he has allowed us to be restored again. And we have that peace of I have a relationship with God. What I was made to have a relationship with God, I have that again. I have peace. That is our footing, is that wholeness or oneness once again with God. Now, the question that we have to ask here then is this. How is peace our footing? How does, how does this idea of, of peace give us that ability to hold our ground and not be pushed around. 
Well, let me ask you this. How many of you guys have ever tried to bully someone who has peace? It doesn't work very good. And those of you who have had peace in your life, how easy is it for you to get pushed around when you have peace? When you say, oh, the creator of the universe, the God of this whole universe, I'm in right standing with him. I have peace with him. We're whole and we're one. How easy is it going to be for someone to come and bully you and push you around at that point? It's probably not going to be very easy at all. You're probably going to be able to hold your ground when you have peace. See, the problem is many of us are operating out of insecurity. And that's when we can start to get pushed around. That's when we can start to get bullied and manipulated by the enemy is because we don't have that peace. We're still trying to chase that peace down. We're still thinking, maybe someday if I have this and I have that and I get here or I get there, then I'll have peace. Now you can get pushed all over the place. You see, peace isn't something that we're chasing. It's not something that we chase down. Peace is something that we choose to stand in or not. It says that Jesus is our peace, and if we are Christians, that means we have access to that peace right now. But for so many of us, we're still trying to chase that peace down. Maybe someday, maybe when I have whatever, this, that, maybe when I stop doing this, that, maybe when I finally this, that, I can have peace. And I'll promise you, while you're still thinking that way, you're gonna continue to get pushed around and bullied by the enemy. You're going to just get shoved all over the place because the enemy, if he finds that insecurity, he's going to sit there and push it. How I always explain it to people, and this is how it works for me, is you guys have played Jenga before, right? And what you do in Jenga is, now I guess I'm not playing the actual rules because I guess the rules are that if you touch it, you have to move that block. I never played that way. I always played that you could like, See which one is loose. And so when it's your turn, you just go around and you kind of just tap. And you try to see which one is going to move because I want to find an easy one to move. And as funny as that is, that's what the enemy does to us. He walks around us and he just kind of pokes and he taps and he tries to find that insecurity, that thing where we don't have peace, that thing where we're still trying to strive for something and, and we're still saying I'm not good enough or this isn't good enough. And when he finds it, when he finds that piece that moves, he's going to push you all around on that. And this is the frustrating thing for so many of us is, is we're, we're Christians, but we're just being pushed around and we're being bullied. And this is the beautiful thing about having cleats or having something on our feet to get footing is we don't get pushed around anymore. We don't get bullied anymore. And, and I know if you're anything like me, you're probably tired of getting pushed around by the enemy. And so it's this idea of you need to stand in that peace. Again, peace isn't something we chase down. It's something we choose to stand in. It's something we choose to put our feet into. And this is where Paul says, put on the armor. Don't, like, it's not like go chase it, go figure it out. It's like you've been given the armor. Put it on. Choose to stand in peace and not view peace as something that you will attain someday if you work hard enough or are good enough. It says Jesus is our peace. We have Jesus already, which means we can already stand in our peace right now. Right now, you have the ability to not get pushed around by the enemy anymore, to be able to hold your ground 
when God says to hold. But you're also ready to move. And we talked about this with, with the fruit of the Spirit. Remember how I said, if, if you're going to go, if you have like a five o'clock plane ride that's leaving at like five in the morning, you're going to pack the night before because you're not going to try to go quick, get everything together because you're not ready to move. When you have peace, meaning when everything is whole, when everything is one, you're ready to move because you don't have things all over the place. And again, that's the other part of warfare is you got to be able to hold ground, but then you got to be able to move and get to where you have to get to. And, and for us, for some of that, maybe that's a physical thing of moving, but for most of the time, it's, it's a spiritual thing of, of having your heart be where it's supposed to be so that you can hold the ground you're supposed to hold. And it is that peace. It is that truly understanding, I'm one with the Father again. That relationship is restored. I have peace. I'm, I'm good with the Father. That is what gives us that footing to say, nope, I can't be pushed around, but also gives us the readiness to move when we need to move. That was one of the reasons why Romans won so many battles is they cut people off. They could, they could see where armies were going and they could get to where they needed to get to quickly. And so where we're at right now, is you have the belt of truth that holds everything together. It keeps you from tripping all up over yourself. It keeps you from losing things. It holds you together. Now you've got the approval of God because you are found in Jesus that guards your hearts from accusations. You no longer have to even answer the accusations of the enemy. You can say, talk to my lawyer, who's Jesus, because those accusations have to stick to him, not you, right? Bounces off, glances off, goes to Jesus. And now you have cleats on your feet, which means you can hold ground and you can move when you need to move. And you're starting to now see a real soldier starting to form. You're starting to see a soldier that the enemy probably is not wanting to deal with quite as much. The tricks that the enemy has always used and has always worked are starting to not work anymore because you have armor on. And this is where it gets exciting because I don't know about you, but I would be a lot more excited to fight in a battle wearing armor, knowing that the enemy is going to have trouble taking me out. When you are connected to God, you will always be where you need to be. See, that's what that peace is. That peace is truly being connected to God, being one with God. And when you're at that, when you're stuck at the hip with God, it means when he says move, you're actually moving and when he says hold, you're actually holding and you're not getting pushed all around. And this is when it gets to be fun to be a Christian. You guys know that's possible? It's, it's possible to be fun, for, for being a Christian to be fun, for it to be actually exciting, for it to be like, I'm actually making a difference and I, I want to do this. And I wake up with some passion and excitement for the day because I'm not waking up to just get pushed around by the enemy all day. I'm waking up to actually do some damage. I'm waking up to actually make a difference. And this is why it's so important for us to wear the armor, is it gives us that ability to do that. So let me just ask you a couple questions as we get ready to close this morning. How are your feet doing? And I'm not talking about the smell or dead skin or anything like that. How... How well have you been able to hold ground in your life? Like, do you feel like when, when you're supposed to hold ground that you can do it? 
Or do you feel like, man, I just, I feel like I'm on ice. I feel like I just get pushed all over the place and I'm constantly stumbling and I want to stand strong, but I never can. Have you been getting pushed around? Have you, do you feel like you've been bullied? You know, I think most of us, if we were being honest, we would say, yeah, man, I've just felt like I've been just getting pushed around. It's time for us to stand in the peace of the gospel. The fact that Jesus died for our sins, we are now one with the Father. That relationship is restored. We are, we are united with the creator of the universe and stand in that. Let that be our footing. So when the enemy tries to push us or tap at all of our little Jenga pieces, he can't find a place to push. Not because we've attained something, not because we've had some sort of big enlightenment other than just the fact that we have stood in the peace that's always been available to us, that Jesus died for our sins to make us one with the Father again and to choose to put that on our feet and stand in that so that we don't get pushed around anymore. And again, that's when it starts to get really fun to be a Christian. Not that you're not going to feel pain, because you will, but man, it's different when you have footing. It's different to do something when you have your feet underneath you. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray over you this morning. Lord, I thank you for your peace. I thank you that we have a gospel of peace. This gospel that Jesus died for our sins, that we can be saved, is ultimately a gospel for us being united with the Father again. Lord, the veil was torn. There's no division between us and the Father anymore. And God, I pray that for each of us, we put that on our feet. Lord, that when the enemy tries to push us around, he can't move us. Because how do you bully someone who's one with the God of the universe? Who ha who's not living in insecurity because they know they have, they're at peace. That one relationship that determines everything in their life is where it needs to be. And so, Lord, I pray that for each of us, we're able to stand in that. Lord, that we don't view peace as something we got to go chase down, something that we got to attain, something that we got to earn or work for. But, Lord, that we view peace as already being there, something that we can choose to stand in because it's been available to us from the second that we've received Jesus as our Savior, that peace has been available to us. So, Lord, I pray that for everybody here, Lord, you begin to make us into real soldiers, Lord God. Soldiers that can't get pushed around, soldiers that, that, whose hearts are protected and who's, who's got everything held together in their life by, by the truth of your word, Lord. And God, I just thank you for what you're gonna do. And I pray that for each of us today, even, we, we stand in your peace. We pray this in your name, amen.